If, if, I, if I ramble a little bit, just be with me. Is that okay? I'm not here to huff and puff and try to blow your house down. Um, turn to Luke, the 18th chapter. And I may flip back every now and then and read um, just to keep us on purpose or on target. I may turn back and read that verse out of Isaiah, out of the Amplified. Because I, I really believe God was speaking that here this morning, that, um, that he wants to do that. Amen. Several of you raised your hand that there's a circumstance that you need to move, move out of. We know this. How many know, how many know there's different levels of knowing things? I mean, you know, you can know something, but not necessarily be walking in it. I said this one night at church when I said it. I asked Lynn, did that sound hard? Maybe you heard somebody maybe preach a message or read a verse, and you say, oh, I know that. How many of you done that? I know that. And I turned around and I said, but are you doing it? So the level of our knowing is probably best determined by how much we're walking in. That would be like uh, Sister mentioned a fence, and, and I grew up on a farm, and, and I say offended people are hung in a fence. I kind of bring it down, because that's true. If you're in a place of being offended, your life is on hold because you're hung up in a fence, and it takes just about that long to get out of it because Jesus said it this way. When you stand praying, if you remember you have all against anyone, forgive them. Did you notice he said, when you stand praying? He didn't make a 40-day fast out of it. He said, while you're standing praying, and you remember you got out against somebody, forgive them. And just move on. <laughs> Look at someone and say, he made that simple. He did, didn't he? He just made it simple. Well, how many of you know Jesus ministered in a simple way? He never complicated things. We complicate things. I said, we complicate things. Jesus doesn't complicate things. I mean, he comes and says, I am the door. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You want to get out of your circumstance? First thing you got to know is Jesus is the way. <laughs> He's the way to move from where you presently are to where he wants you. And sometimes it is, it is as simple as taking a step. It's just that simple. I still feel, who raised their hand and said they was hung up in a circumstance that needed to move? I want you to stand. We're just going to, I want everybody that, that said that, I want you to stand. I want us to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm taking a prophetic act and taking a step that I'm moving out of circumstances and I'm taking up a new stance of faith that I'm moving onward and I'm leaving this behind in Jesus' name. Now I want you to just get somewhere where you can literally take a step. Just move out now. I mean, hey, you know, if you offend somebody, they need to forgive you. I mean, just literally take a step. Amen. Some of you might need to, some of you might need to run around the place. Y'all allow people to run around the place? Nobody said anything, so I don't know if y'all do or not. See, I, I, I'm good with anybody running around and if it's Jesus. Amen. Well, you ain't got to sit down. 
You haven't got to sit down. Amen. Now, I want you to believe you left something. If you believe you've left something, don't go home and talk about it. I mean, know if you're trapped in yesterday, you're not dreaming anymore. If you're trapped in a circumstance, you've ceased to dream and believe God. God is a God that's on the move. I don't know about you, I don't move with him. Amen? Are, are you in Luke 18? I want to read this down through the 8th verse. So now he was telling them a parable to show that all, at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Everybody say, not lose heart. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. Now, isn't that interesting? I said, isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that Jesus is using a terminology here that we think, this can't be God. Stay with me. And he said, and he said, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now the Amplified Bible adds this little statement in there. Will he find persistence? In faith. I mean, to be honest, I said, I've been in faith, and I've been out of faith. I've been persistent in faith, and I've been inconsistent in faith. I mean, you know, also, this, there's a scripture that says, that which is not of faith is what? Sin. Sin. Now, now when we read this, Jesus is saying this was an unjust judge. But this woman kept saying, I want justice. I want justice. Every day, I want justice. Can you, I want you to get a picture of me. Just get a picture. Every morning you get up, there's some lady at your door. I want justice. How long this go on? We don't know. But every morning you get up, there's a lady knocking on the door. I want justice. She could have been saying, and I think she was, I want what's mine. Is that not what justice is? Isn't it? So she was really saying, I want what I've been promised. How long did she do it? Till he got tired of her coming. How many of you have let your kids have some things sometimes because they just kept asking? <laughs> Lynn and I have our youngest grandson. 
He got saved, what, about a month ago? He's nine years old. And if he can, if he can get the determination he has in God, whew, he'll be awesome. Because when he wants something, he don't give up. He don't let you forget. That's what this story is saying. Isn't it? Now I'm going to ask you something. I'm just, I don't know if y'all was expecting somebody to suck back and preach or whatever, but I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher. If you don't know what that means, I teach a little and preach a little. So I'm going to just take my time this morning. How often are we that determined about what God has promised? I mean, he finally said, I just will let her have it because she ain't going to quit. Paul makes this statement, I think it's in Corinthians. He said, you run well a while, what hindered you? How many have really won after some things of God and then it didn't happen and you backed it? So I'm believing that shift this morning. If God is saying it's time for the church to shine, it's time for this church to shine. And how many of you know you've got to leave this place of inconsistencies, of, see, I've even heard people say that. I tried that and it didn't work. Ever heard anybody say that? I tried that, but it didn't work. How long did you try it? You guys don't listen to this and don't y'all do this, okay? Y'all hear me? Y'all don't do this part that I'm going to say. Look at me and say, we hear you. Say, we hear you. Okay. <laughs> you hear me, don't you do what well, like I'm fixing to say? I can remember, good grief, I don't know how, many, how old I was, but I grew, I grew up on a farm. Everybody smoked. I mean, just, I mean, my dad smoked. There was people on the farm that helped us on the farm. They smoked. And so how many of you know that little boys around folks that smoke all the time, it looks cool, don't it? But let me tell you, it ain't cool. It ain't cool. Say it's not cool. It's not cool. Say it's not cool. Say it's not cool. Because I don't want you all to mistake what I'm saying. How many, let, me, let me see your hand if you ever smoked in here. I may be offending somebody. Was it good the first time you tried it? It wasn't. You had to really work at it to get good at it. I mean, you, you know, anybody that's ever started smoke, smoking and inhaled that first time, it was like, ah! He said, I believe if we'll do it, do it often enough, we'll get where we can do it. Well, Lynn and I have been married five years, I believe it was, whenever we both got saved. And right after I got saved, I got convicted immediately about smoking. And so I quit, probably within that first year, wasn't it, that, that we had gotten saved, which was in 1974, which dates us a little bit. Um, but I worked hard at getting addicted to something that was bad for me. And then I had, then God gave me grace to help me quit. 
and I'm so glad I did because, and Lynn knows this, that cough that you had trying to learn how to inhale after you've smoked a while, how many of you, realize, how many of you found out you got up in the morning and you'd have that cough already, that same cough? Look at somebody say, do you hear me, guys? Don't ever smoke. Say amen. Amen. Now, if, you, if you're still smoking in here and you're thinking I'm trying to offend you, I'm not. It's not my purpose. My purpose is how we will work hard at doing something that's harmful for us, but then sometimes one of them give that diligence like this lady did. She kept on asking. She kept on asking. If we turned in Matthew to the verses where it says, Ask, seek, knock. Somebody tell me right quick. Do you think that meant ask one time, seek one time, knock one time? How many believe that's what it means? If you read it in the Amplified Bible, it says this, Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And the door will be open to you. You know what it takes to keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking? It takes faith. But you know what else it takes? If we read this last verse I read here in Luke 18, if you read in Amplified, it says, Will I find persistence in faith? I think somebody say persistence. What does persistence mean to you? If you didn't get it today, you believe there's going to grace tomorrow. This going to break through today. Amen. Say it louder. Keep keeping on. Until what? Until God establishes his order and his will and his desire in our life. Right? Well, I didn't come to talk on faith this morning, but while we're here, turn to Luke. Turn, turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. How many of you love the Word of God? How many of you stay in the Word of God? How many of you know one of the predominant ways that God speaks through us is through the Word? Am I making this through this? Is it mean, or is it me just moving? Are you, are you in Hebrews 11? I'm just going to pick out one, one guy here and just talk about him in just a few minutes. We could pick out one of many here. But I want to pick up in verse 23. If you're there, shout amen. amen. Some of you haven't shouted all morning. That's no shout. Amen. Thank you, brother. That was close. Still like about six decimals. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Everybody said looking to the reward. 
By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him, thought I could read well, as seeing him who is unseen. He endured as seeing him who is unseen. Did you notice it said he saw him though he was unseen? Did y'all see that? He saw something not with these eyes but with the eyes of his heart. It wasn't seen with a natural eye but he had a vision of him that was unseen. I'm going to ask you this morning. How many of you or how often do we go to prayer telling God how it is rather than speaking what it should be, praying what it should be? Sometimes our prayers are like, God, did you know, man, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn's sick today, Lord, and, and, and she really needs, how many of you know that if Lynn's sick, God already knows that? And I'm telling God what's wrong with Lynn. And God knows what's wrong with her better than I do, doesn't he? So what I need to do, instead of being speaking what's wrong with her, I need to have a vision of her being whole. And that needs to be the, what, the direction I'm praying. Okay, let's bring, it, let's bring it to the state of the church today. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. I mean, the church, when I say the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that the body of Christ is not where she should be, does it? Okay, but what, what's not going to change the body of Christ is me putting it down, speaking about everything that's wrong with it. But as I begin to pray, Lord, you died for a glorious church. See, if, if all we see is the natural, then there's no faith. It doesn't take faith to see my brother sitting over there with a red shirt and like, I think so he's like me, if. I might not have much hair in you if, if I shaved it. It doesn't take any faith for me to see that he doesn't have much hair. I see that. It doesn't take any faith for me to see him. So it doesn't take any faith for us to begin to talk about how things are. What it does take faith is for me to read in God's word and begin to get a vision for what God wants his church to look. Jesus died for a glorious church. So, Lord, Lord, I thank you that the church is glorious. Amen. Lynn and I have a really great marriage. You could say anything you want to me about me, but if you started talking about her, I'd probably fight you. What does that say about Jesus and his bride? We're the bride. Y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't look at me that way. <laughs> We're the bride. How many times have you talked about the bride? How many of you get mad if somebody talks about your kids? It's okay if if I talk about my kids, but don't you talk about them. It's okay if Jesus gets on to the bride, but we don't need to. So why don't we start getting a vision of what the bride is supposed to be and start presenting that to the Lord every day. Lord, I thank you that the church is filled 
with the glory of God. There's no divisions. There's no separation. We're one with Jesus, the head of the church. We're united with him in the same glory and the same anointing that's on the head is on the body. And the body is functioning just like Jesus died and rose again for it to function in completeness and in wholeness. The same anointing that's on the head is on the body, praise God. And the body is what? Healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the gospel, opening blind eyes. Preaching the gospel to the poor. Won't we begin to decree that over the body every day and say, boy, the church is a mess. Why, why don't we start doing that? Why don't we start bragging on the church? I believe it would delight the groom. See, when somebody... Lynn gets compliments all along, and when she gets a compliment, it's like I got one. Amen. Why? Because she's my bride. He said, well, and it don't really matter to me, you know, where you think she's pretty or not. See, I do. Jesus thinks the bride is all right. You say, well, now how do you know that? I can actually show you scripture that says that. Turn, turn to, uh, uh, we can turn to Ephesians. Y'all okay? If you get bored, tell me. Look at the Ephesians, the first chapter. Just a couple of uh, verses here that it says, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to, this is verse 7, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. And I had some other verses wrote down here somewhere. Um, I, I need about an eight-foot podium. Flip over about two books to Colossians. And, and there's so much more that besides what I'm reading. I'm just reading a couple of what he says. In the first chapter of Colossians, this is the Amplified Bible. Y'all, y'all not one of them churches that thinks there's only one Bible, do you? One translation? Okay. Verse 22, Colossians 1. Yet now has Christ the Messiah reconciled you to God in the body of his flesh through death in order to present you holy, faultless, and irreproachable in his Father's presence. Did you hear what Paul just said? That how Jesus looks at the church? And you know what we do sometimes when we read that? Boy, it sure don't look like it. Why don't we start seeing it like he sees it? Amen. Amen. Why don't why don't we start seeing that's who we are? And the next verse is, is just as powerful or more powerful, maybe. I'm reading again out of the Amplified. And this he will do, provided that you continue to stay with and in the faith in Christ, well grounded, settled, steadfast, not shifting or move away from the hope which rests on and is inspired by the glad tidings of the gospel, which you heard and which has been preached and is being 
being designed for and offered without restrictions to every person under heaven of which Paul became a minister of the gospel. He's reconciled us, and he looks at us as holy, faultless, and irreproachable. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself that way? Because, see, that's important. Do you see yourself as a bride that has prepared herself and she's adorned for the groom and looks excitingly to be with him every day? I mean, if all creation is yearning for the manifestation of the sons of God, How many of you know what all creation is waiting for is for the bride to stand up and be the bride of Christ? Because really, our our born-again experience, which we're the first fruit right behind Jesus, our born-again experience was Jesus' first down payment for creation to be restored. How many of you believe that? I was going to wait a minute. Amen. I use this terminology, and some of you know what, from the White House to the outhouse. God wants to restore creation. We're in creation, and God wants to restore. Well, how's he going to do that? Through us. As you write songs, and as you write songs, and as you write songs back to your sister and all of y'all that are going to worship today, as you begin to minister and just feel the atmosphere with heavenly music. Because, see, when we're praying, I'll tell you a prayer. I mean, even know that Jesus taught only one prayer. Isn't that interesting? He had to pray something besides that, didn't he? But if we just took one part of it where he said, Pray this way. Pray that God's will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. I wonder what if we just begin to pray that every day. Because I do. I pray that about every day. God, I just decree that your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Lynn's got a translation, a voice translation there that says that says it this way. May God's will be manifested in the earth just like it's already manifested in heaven. Let's bring it right here now. God, may your will be manifested in my life just like it's already manifested in heaven. He told us to pray that way. Well, if he told us to pray that way, do you think he asked us to do that just so we could get some exercise in praying? No, that's his will, isn't it? That's his will. God's will is just like heaven is for us to be a part in bringing that to earth. Don't get bent out of shape with me. I like what one guy said the other day. He said, if your end-time theology changes the nature of who God is, you might need to change your end-time theology. Because there's some end-time theology that's not in keeping with the nature of God. God's not willing that anybody should perish but that all men would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So the very reason Jesus probably hadn't returned yet is not because he don't want to come get his bride, but because he don't want nobody to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish. So in his nature, every, 
I say it this way. We could turn to Proverbs, what is it? Proverbs 29, I talked about this some at our church the other night. Proverbs 29, is it 18? Where it says where there's no vision, the people perish. We need to always see redemptively. If we're looking at anyone outside of redemption, we're not seeing correctly, are we? If we, if we look at any, any situation outside of redemption, we're not seeing right. If we look at anything from a place of hopelessness, we're not seeing redemptively. But how often do we do that? I'll use you. Can I use you for an example? I look at this kid and think, boy, he's all messed up. Boy, that's hopeless. It's not hopeless because there's a Redeemer. Our Redeemer lives. I wasn't putting you down, so don't. I'll say this. He's using me as an example. But, but that's not who you are. Okay, thank you. Because you're a mighty man of God, right? I said you're a mighty man of God. Amen. Let me hear you say that. I'm a mighty man of God. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm a mighty man of God. Amen. Amen. When you get home, look in the mirror. Point him and say, I'm a mighty man of God. Amen. Okay. Are we looking at our communities redemptively? I'm messing with y'all now, aren't I? How many of you believe God might want to change the way we see? Because if we're not seeing redemptively, because one trans, is it the Amplified Lynn that says it this way? There in, in Proverbs, it says, Where there is no redemptive revelation, the people cast off restraint. Some translations say that the, the people live unbridled. If we have a correct vision from God of what His will is, it brings a but if Christ don't like this word, it brings discipline in our lives. If we're really, if we're really focused and have a vision for the desires of God and the heart and the heart of God, it 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 just brings a discipline in our lives. Okay, I was trying to think. I don't to say I don't want a cigarette would be immaterial because I hate them. I don't want another woman. I have a woman. I I don't want to go out and party. It's not that. I can't. I don't want to. I, I don't want to offend God. I don't want to be outside of his will. It's not, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to do anything that's displeasing in his sight. I don't want to live with any kind of offense in my life. I don't want to hate or dislike anybody. See, I don't want to do those things. Well, why? Because I've seen something that's greater than anything this world has to offer, and those things govern my life and did something in my heart. I'm not, I don't go around, don't do that, don't do this. That, that's not part of who I am. It's like, I use terminology with, with the guys over there, Lynn. Uh, when I married Lynn, I was off the market shopping for a wife or other women. I, I, that, that, that ended. Well, when we become married to Jesus, the world no longer was sucking, sucking me into things. Why? Because I'm devoted to him. We, we, 
You, you said something a while ago about our eyes. What did you sing about our eyes a while ago? I don't remember right this second. Because you reached it down this. Yeah, take the blinders off. Take the blinders. God, take the blinders off our hearts. Take the blinders off our hearts that we're not seeing. I mean, you know, when we read, we read simple verses like John 10.10, 10, I mean, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says this, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't think you have to have a Ph.D. to figure out. Oh, I think I'll choose life. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I think life's better. Amen. Don't you think life's better? Well, let me see. You know, well, stealing, killing, destroying. Well, look at somebody say, "As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord." I don't have a watch, so I don't know what time it is. I want to read that Hebrews eleven twenty-seven, where we're talking about Moses. I want to read one verse out of the Amplified. It's verse 27, motivated by faith, he left Egypt behind. (laughs) Motivated by faith, he left Egypt behind. But it was because he saw something that was unseen to these eyes, but he saw it. With an eye of faith. Because I want to tell you, I don't know about you, but I can say this about me. Until you really see it with the eye of faith, you really can't have faith for it. You really can't. Okay, let's take that back to vision. If all you can see, if all we can see as our communities and in our churches is gloom, doom, woe, and agony is on me then we have no faith. We've ceased to dream the dreams of God and we're locked in yesterdays and things as they are. And we have no faith for it to change. If you go back and read the whole 11th chapter of Hebrews, it literally says they changed worlds through faith. They saw the dead raised through faith. So they believed something that they didn't see with the natural eye, but yet God had showed them through the eye of spirit eyes of the spirit and they had faith for it and they saw it happen so i'm asking you what are you seeing are you seeing yourself writing songs you seeing yourself writing songs are you seeing yourself writing hundreds of songs lynn and i have a friend in nashville tennessee i don't know if y'all ever not nashville he actually lives in uh, eagle mountain tennessee james Payne. we've known him for 20 something years He's wrote thousands of songs. Now, some of his songs are not that. I'm not, he writes kind of with a country flavor, a lot of gospel, gospel music. And it's in the thousands of songs that he's actually wrote and have been recorded by artists all over the world. Uh, in fact, he called us thirsty, wanting us to pray for his wife. His wife, I think, is, I think she's a year older than me and just found out her body is filled with cancer cells. So, her name's Ruby Payne. Put her on your prayer list. Because they're standing and believing God for a miracle. But he's wrote. And see, I've heard this in my own ears. This is not hearsay. And like again, 
laying up. We've got, I don't know how many CDs and hardly ever listen to it because my preference is not a country type of gospel. But that don't mean country type gospel is bad. Do you all hear me? We can't let our preferences. I really think God was wanting me to say something to you about preferences today, and I was a little shy and away from it. But I'm going to say it. Don't let your preferences divide you from people who have different preferences from you. I really felt like the Lord said that. I'll give this example. This, this, is, this is me and Lynn thing. I can't even think, what's that, what's that chewing gum that I buy she don't like? <laughs> peppermint. I buy some peppermint gum all along, and Lynn said, I can't stand that. I said, but I like that. But I can't stand that. And you know what? We had not got a divorce over it. Matter of fact, I was chewing something yesterday, and she said, I don't like that. I said, but I do. And see, people, people get divisions over preferences. We don't need that, church. Okay, I was back to the, the country gospel music. Lynn and I have heard this with ourselves. We were down in Jacksonville with this guy one day, and a, and a, and a young man walked up to him and said, Mr. Payne, I believe it was his granddaddy. My granddaddy got saved driving a truck, listening to John 3.16. See, God uses all kind of music. If we're not careful, well, I don't like that. It's just not my preference. (laughs) See, I mess y'all up. You know what I listened to driving here this morning? I listened to satellite radio. Elvis Presley singing gospel songs. You think, boy, you, you're weird. <laughs> now, for those of you that are judging me over that, get over it. <laughs> you won't go to my house and find any Elvis records or tapes or CDs or anything like that. But I like to hear him sing. I believe he was a man with a call of God on his life. Never stepped into it. Died with an unfilled destiny with a call of God on his life. Look at somebody and say, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to fulfill God's destiny that he has for my life. It's, you know, it could be hundreds of songs. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to step outside of what maybe you wouldn't choose and say, I can embrace that because it glorifies Jesus? Are you willing to do that? I believe we're going to be called to do that. It's not about mine and your preferences. It's about seeing like he sees, hearing what he's seeing. You remember the scripture in the Gospels where Jesus said, my father's been working and I've been working. I always do what I see the father do. There was such a union and relationship that the price to pay to fulfill the will of God never even entered in. 
It was God, do you want it? I'm willing to do it. Because it says this, and we don't, we don't like to quote it. He endured the cross, despising the shame, because of the joy that was set before him. I believe it's the Amplified said, because of the reward of the joy that was set before him. So, he saw his purpose. Any of you am I sounding schizophrenic there? Any of you ever have trouble on this side? Let me see your hand. You have some trouble over here. Some good things are happening over here. You keep walking, there's some trouble over here. There's some good things happening over here. But how many of you know if you're not careful, you the trouble distracts you. And you're only doing good if everything around you happening is good. How many of you know Jesus had all that? There was trouble. There was good things. But none of it took him off the vision that God had given him for his purpose. I want to be that man. How many of you want to be that man, that woman? That just because you've experienced something that was not good... And see, a lot of times people do that. If everything's going good, you know, you, you can see them in church and they're just all smiling. If things are not going bad, they're like, they won't praise God. They just, what's wrong? It's been a bad week. I want you to praise your way out of it. I know it's bad. I had a lady call me. Well, I can't remember if it was Thursday. This is bad. I don't know. Won't you do that? What? But it's bad. I don't know if I can do that. Won't you do that? No, it's bad. How long did Paul and Silas praise God before the prison doors were opened and the chains fell off? Can anybody tell me? Does anybody know? We don't know, do we? And you know what? I'm glad God didn't tell us. Because you know what we'd have done? If he'd have said they praised and worshipped an hour and 20 minutes, you know what we'd do? We'd praise and worship an hour and 20 minutes and say, okay, God, where's that? No, they prayed, praised, and worshiped until they got a breakthrough. How long? However long it takes. How long have I got to stay in faith? Until you see it. Until it manifests. Faith is to bring out of the unseen into the seen. But faith is seeing it before these eyes see it. Amen? So, how many of you are seeing something this morning? Not with your natural eye, but with the eye of faith. How many of you going to, I just believe God said, how many of you wouldn't take a shift to start seeing the unseen and let the unseen be what controls your life and not the seen? Paul makes this statement, and I can quote a lot of scripture, not good on addresses. He said, I'm controlled by the love of God. (laughs) Wow. The love of God controls me. I think that should be our testimony, don't you? That anger doesn't control us. Trouble doesn't control us. Circumstances, which is taking up a stance that's not of God. I'm telling you, we we should always be in a forward-moving stance. Don't get locked into where you are. Don't don't forget about yesterday. 
I mean, Paul even said that, forgetting those things are behind and pressing on to the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm forgetting all that junk in the past. He said, but I have one thing in mind, and that's Jesus. And, I, and he said this, I love this. And maybe we, we, we gonna, um, this is one of my closings. He said, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. We'll say it again. He said, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. We'll ask you a quick question. How many of has Jesus laid hold of you? How many of you want now to lay hold and grasp what he's laid hold of you for? Because I want you to look around. Nobody in here is an insignificant part of the body. Every person in here has a function in this church here. Y'all call this Jessup? I don't know. How, how far away from Jessup? Four miles. Okay. Every person in this body has a function in this church. There's no such thing as any unnecessary part. Amen. See, I'm 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 a little bit I'm, I'm still farmer minded because I farmed for so many years. If you got some cogs that are running together and one cog gets broke, it's not too long before you got a major problem. Because it's going to start wearing and grinding. Pretty quick it'll start skipping. And then something's going to freeze up. Because somebody wasn't looking after all the parts. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask again, how many, how many of you are moving out of your circumstance? I'm beginning to see with fresh vision. Say, so I have fresh vision this morning. Father, I just I pray this morning in the name of Jesus, the strong and awesome Son of God, that you just impart fresh vision into every person in here this morning that would literally lift their, lift their hands and say, God, I want to see beyond where I'm at of what you calling me to. I want to see with the eyes of my heart and I want to get in faith for your purpose for my life and I'm going to move forward. I'm not going back. I'm not going to look to the right or to the left but I'm so focused on your call and your purpose for my life that I am consumed with your desires to see God what you want to bring to pass fulfilled. Lord, I don't want to stop short of it I don't want to abort or abandon anything that you've destined and desired to fulfill in any of our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.